Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Rocky LaFleur. Yo, And Frost Reeves. I'm a simple man. I like pretty dark-haired women and breakfast food. Now, load up and side in. This is On The X. Welcome to the Excel Boats On The X podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm J. Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, of course, Frost Reeves and Rocky LaFleur. And also, we have a very special guest today from Lucky Duck, Mr. Ricky Hart. Ricky, welcome to On The X podcast, buddy. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I assure you, it's our pleasure. So tell me about y'all's Christmas holiday and hunting. How's it been going? It's been excellent. You know, I uh, had the ability to go and see some friends and family back home in Michigan. So I spent some time home there. And then it was just as soon as I uh, left there, it was back on the road again. So um, it's, uh, you know, got to visit the guys out in Utah before the holiday. Um, and then uh, just went out to uh, Nebraska, heading to Kansas later on this week, and then out to SHOT Show. And it just this is the busy time is here. It's been here, and it won't won't be done until the end of March, really. Wow. So you go straight from hunting right into the show season, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much when, uh, I mean, you know, you, we travel for the TV show with the grind, and and uh, when we're not hunting, you know, it's uh, like Bill, myself, and Tim, we're, we're sitting down and working. Same with the guys that are – you know, Dreamweaver sitting down and editing and downloading, uploading footage and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just nonstop from basically August 1st when we're hitting those shows at our, at our retailers all the way until, like I said, the end of the March. And, and it's just, it's, it, it's crazy. It's crazy with travel and, uh, and the phones never stop ringing. There's always something to do. So we're, we're, we're always going. Wow. How about you, Rocky? Have you been getting into them? I know you've been guiding a little bit. Yeah, I've had a few clients in. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Watching Frost eat this potato soup in this video. <laughs> I just sent him a text telling him that we could hear him slurping on the, through his Am mic. I, oh, is my? <laughs> yes, yes. It's working. Uh, oh, it, it's definitely working. Yes, <laughs> folks. The the slurping sounds you hear in the background. Uh, Frost. I'm not sure that's me. I've got it on mute. There you may be uh, did, one of the did, but you didn't the entire time. It may be Jason or Jeffrey or Rocky. Rocky is suspiciously <laughs> videoless. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the farm. There oh is a reason. Yeah, there <laughs> is. <There's> <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, that's the great thing about podcasts. Rocky could be sitting in the uh, cab of his truck, buck naked, eating Cheetos, and no one would know it. Blaming me, <laughs> throwing me under the bus. <laughs> Ricky, it's always a great time on the, on the X podcast. I, I, I see that. I see that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ricky, and by the way, <laughs> now nah, I'm not even going to go there. I apologize. <laughs> so have you been killing any ducks, Rocky? Oh, we did good last week. Hunted uh, in Mississippi. It was the only thing I had thought out. Uh, head out to southern Arkansas tonight for three days. Then I'll be in Oklahoma and Missouri next week. Wow. So you're... 
travel schedule is just about as uh, intense as mine and Ricky's. Can you believe that game last night? That had to be one of the best football games that I've ever watched in my life, much less a national championship. And, uh, you know, I imagine today the only person that probably feels worse than Crom, although he had a heck of a performance, is uh, Alabama's place kicker. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe he missed twice? A graduate of the University of Mississippi. I think he wow. tried to throw the game. <laughs> he's an Ole Miss transfer that tried to throw it. Yeah, he's a graduate transfer to Alabama. He really is. I knew that, yeah. Yeah. Frosty, did you watch the game? I did not because I knew that no matter who won, I would be sorely disappointed. So it was a lose-lose for me. Wow. You know, I definitely I, didn't watch it because I'm not a Saban fan. I, I'm from Michigan, so and I'm a Michigan fan. <laughs> You know, Saban being a former state guy, careless, see that. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from in Michigan, Ricky? Sturgis, Michigan. So uh, right there at the bottom of the mitten and uh, right along I-80. So just a small town of twelve to 15,000 people. And that's where I grew up, cut my teeth with my old man. Yep, I've been Sturgis, Michigan. Uh, I've been to all three Sturgises. Sturgis, oh, wow. Kentucky, Sturgis, Michigan, and uh, Sturgis, South Dakota. Look at you. Sturgis Traveler. Place. What about well, that, Sturgis, Mississippi? I've been to Sturgis, Mississippi. Although, I don't know if Sturgis, Mississippi has a Harley rally. The other three do, and that's why I've been to all three. Yeah. They yeah. do. Sturgis, yeah. Mississippi has one. Wow. I can't believe back in my riding days that I missed that one. Dang. Do you ride, Ricky? Uh, I used to, but, you know, uh, with the Texan drivers out there and, and uh, all that stuff, I kind of got a little bit worried when I started going on the highway. So I just uh, put the bike up. My dad and my grandfather, they still ride, but I don't ride much. Frost, you used to ride, didn't you, brother? I did. I did. Got out of it. My dad got out of it. Miss it, though. Never hit your head on the pavement or anything like that, though, right? Tore my MCL pretty bad. My dad – my dad – quit after a pretty bad wreck so it's probably well, it takes his one. yeah so it uh sure is fun though yeah and i know all about your duck hunting too because you were with me for the last several days up in missouri and man was saturday amazing or what yeah that's the most ducks i've ever seen <clears throat> i was crazy or the most birds i've ever seen in one place i was nuts where were you guys at missouri um, we were at Lost Farm duck hunting, and I'd tell you where that's at, but then it wouldn't be lost. No, I'm yeah. joking. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Ricky. We were we were in the Boot Hill near Alderslew, but we were in the the central zone. And if you take a look at Missouri's duck zones, I believe the guy that drew them out was drunk as Cooter Brown when he did it <laughs> because they make absolutely no sense. the The central zone of Missouri extends all the way down into the boot hill and there's a little notch that's loaded with ducks right now where it just closed the day before yesterday yeah it's so, crazy they got a good push early on uh we went down there with cmo outfitters and shane gardner which is just has an excellent place um and i mean he's just built his own mecca there in, in one of the old river bottoms where um after it was channelized so i mean it was all used to be underwater uh, now he's levied it out, done the right things and water management, bird management going on in there. And it was, I mean, we went there for the second opener of the split and it was just 
hands down some of the best mallard hunting that I've ever had. And that was just for the opener, but that's because we had that cold snap early on. But I mean, even when people were struggling with stale ducks, he was still slamming them. So he was doing a really good job of just managing what he had there on the farm and, and uh, what was over there off the refuges too. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I think that's made a huge difference in that area where Frosty and I were hunting. We were right next to the refuge there at Otter Slough. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, it they held a lot of ducks down there on those refuges in the boot hill. A lot of people decry the refuges, you know, but I mean, when they're done properly, you've seen the fruits of that both Frost and, and Ricky. And of course, I know you have Rocky, you know, it, uh, giving those birds a safe haven and a place to rest helps hold them when they otherwise might leave and really improves the hunting around. And uh, yeah, Shane has got some pretty neat, um, I've seen his place more soil units where we were at. Um, we were hunting a tiny, tiny piece of property that is an unbelievable <laughs> moist soil unit. I mean, it's I got, <laughs> yeah, it's got a tremendous variety of food. And, uh, you know, we really, really had a great, great time there. I know Frost. How in the world do they keep it thawed out? Ice eaters, man. And the well. Well and ice eaters. Yeah. Yep. Our host was running a uh, well in the boat ditch and ice eater in front of the blind. But when you're getting up, uh, matter of fact, I'll throw a photo up uh, next Tuesday when um, this podcast comes up on the Excel website. When you're getting up 5,000 ducks, I mean, they're going to keep a big spot of water open. Frost, were you surprised to see just how much open water he had? yeah yeah unfrozen yeah yeah hit a lot i mean it was yeah. nuts really because we and were it, i mean we were walking on ice probably six inches thick through that corn i mean i sat on ice in southern missouri i mean it was the weirdest thing um and so it was nice and solid but he had a nice big piece there that was open and they were definitely trying to take advantage of it you guys are duck hunters. I mean, it's crazy to talk to people. Yeah, you have your calendar migrators, but at the same time, I mean, we're in northwest Nebraska. It's been below zero there for, for weeks. I'm in, you know, northern Illinois, and it's been below zero for here for weeks. You know, obviously, we're getting a little bit of a thaw now, but those ducks and those those geese, they don't feel that cold weather like you and I do that meant says, man, we need to go down to the Dominican and go for a swim, <laughs> you know. Um but they, as long as they got that food and, and they have that open water, they, they'll, you know, they'll keep a small spot open. You'll find five to 10,000 to pick off of. And it's, it's just crazy. Like to you guys' point, what they got going on down there it's in Southeast Missouri, some of the, some of the good, good areas. And some of the locals will tell you that guys like Shane, they're glad that, that he came along and did what he did with that area because he does hold ducks and he knows how to hold them. And it's, it makes it good for even public land hunting because they're not getting beat up so much, you know, um, South Dakota's they've seen some issues over the year now with more non-resident hunters the bottoms used to be a fantastic place to go Jay Paul I think you've been up there yeah and it used to be an excellent place to go and now it's just it's getting tougher and tougher every year because of pressure pressure alone moving those ducks and those birds out so it's it's interesting when you have guys like Shane and and uh, people like even like Habitat Flats doing what they're doing to try to hold some birds around the area it makes for better hunting for everyone in that area Sure. You know, both public and private refuges, you know, provide a great benefit. And, you know, over the, you brought up a point there about, you know, the migration. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me, 
you know, why is it down here in the South in particular when things get really, really super uh, cold and, and freezing up that we get so many mallards? Um, and that's because, you know, the mallard, all ducks are photo migrators or calendar migrators to some degree. But uh, we've talked with two or three biologists, Rocky and I have here on the on the podcast last year. And, you know, mallards uh, probably are the most um, influenced by food, the availability of food and water, and probably the least of all species by photo period or, by, you know, by the calendar, however you want to look at it. And that's the reason when it, you know, we're seeing so, so many mallards right now i mean it, it was amazing the number of uh, of mallards that we've been seeing here in northwest tennessee and in the boot hill of missouri as long as those birds have open water and abundance of food they're not gonna leave you know they're gonna stick around and you you really see that out west where you are ricky yes yeah i mean it's i think personally you know kansas has become a really good state you know pressure does a lot of things to these birds too and um the, the, some of the migration to me has shifted. I, it's, I don't, we don't see the amount of birds like what we used to see. I mean, even just in Michigan alone, and while it's not to me, not the best waterfowl hunting state, um, it's near and dear to my heart. A lot of things have changed back home and a lot of things have changed around here in Northern Illinois as well. And, and just on the, I mean, we have a lot of pressure around here. And to me personally, I feel like that that will move birds out and going out where, you know, Bill Wilroth from Dakota decoys out there in South Dakota and knowing when I hunted with those bottoms with him eight, nine years ago and just going out there and there wasn't anybody in the area and, and getting back and, and, and taking the Excel and the mud buddy and the backwater holes and, and finding those secluded spots. And we, we'd pound away and uh, we had really good hunts. Now it's just like, you better be out there every day. It might hit one day and then the next day it's, it's gone. It's not those consecutive days. Like, like you're used to seeing out there. So it's, it's always changing. And I think that that's uh, I think that's why some of these guys down in Kansas are doing so well. I think it's shifting a little Westward to me personally. Yeah. A couple things while we've got you here, I'd like to touch on, you just hit on one of them. Uh, of course, I want to talk about Lucky Duck and, and motion decoys and your thoughts on some of the things going in the industry. But, you know, you do live in Northern Illinois. Mm -hmm. Austin, Rocky and I, a couple of weeks ago, were talking about an article that we'd read um, that pointed out that license sales to waterfowlers in Northern Illinois has dropped by 50% over the last few decades. You know, you live there. Why do you think that is? Uh, purely land accessibility. Uh, it's very, very hard to get permission. Um, there's clubs that have moved in now. Um, the clubs restrict the amount of members that they have. So that cuts down. So a club, you know, they might charge 700 to a thousand bucks for a person. Um, and then that guy applies. Um, if he gets accepted, then he's accepting the club. Well, then that thousand dollars, you know, it starts to multiply and that allows them to kind of somewhat monopolize the market and allow them to lease up a bunch of land. Um, so even though that they might have an abundance of fields on a Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever in the week, or maybe even the weekends, there's only a certain amount of members hunting out there. So there's opportunities out there where people could actually be hunting or that maybe had permission to a field. They just don't have the permission anymore. They're tired of fighting with people on public land. It's just, it, it, there's a ton of pressure up here. It's still good hunting, but there's so much pressure up here with the clubs and with what's going on and, and the leasing that, 
you know, for me, it's frustrating. Um, you know, I've lost a couple of fields um, due to the clubs and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just like, man, for what I do, and, and it's for selfish reasons, I could go out and go anywhere I want to go with the grind and go hunting or with Lucky Duck and go hunting. That's, that's one of the great aspects of my job when I have that time. But nothing's, nothing's as much fun like as hunting in your backyard with your buddies. So, you know, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. We still work hard at what we do around here. It just, it's very hard getting permission. And then there's just the landowners that are fed up with it or something went on before guys fighting in fields or whatever. Um, you know, the one thing is, is that hunters, we always come together for conservation, but when it, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to getting to a field or permission, boy, the other person that I don't like is a hunter. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's tough, but that's just, that's how we see it. It's just, uh, hard to get hard to get on places another question um you travel that's related to that you travel all around the country hunting as well as yeah. hunting in northern illinois you know we uh we discussed several months ago a delta waterfowl article uh that talked about the vanishing hunter and how duck hunting numbers of duck hunters is in a steep decline and man here in the southeastern united states particularly in arkansas and west tennessee there was so much backlash to that article you know with people disputing it and saying oh well you know we've never seen the boat ramps any more crowded with hunters and that may be true um in arkansas but in the country as a whole what are your thoughts on that what have you seen ricky um you know i, I think that the the market from a retail standpoint um it, there's become a lot more involvement, a lot of overlap. Everybody's kind of um, swimming in the same bloody waters, coming out with new things, you know, and, and we're guilty of it too, but you know, it's trying to come out and get a leading edge on whether it be a new decoy or something like us with collapsible mallards and, and trying to come up with something different at, a, at an economical price. But just overall, as far as declining numbers go, it's tough for me to see it, uh, you know, just because, maybe it's because of what we're doing with our products as far as innovation and, and we're growing as a company, we're doing the right things, but you know, you do read the articles and you scratch your head and you wonder why. And I look around in my, my local areas. And again, I just say it's accessibility. You see more people at the public ramp because they lost their private accessibility. Maybe a, a somebody went and bought the farm and, and now they have an under duck management for their, their own private club or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's, some people are, are fed up with the way that the seasons run. I know in Illinois, there's a lot of people upset because of splits and such, you know, I mean, we get a lot of ducks later in the season. We don't get a chance at them because it hasn't been cold enough. So are we keeping up with the trends? You know, even though that, you know, we do the surveys and the numbers are here and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I, it's, it's really hard to target to say what, what the issue is. Um, I always want to just revert back to accessibility that there's just not that abundance. Like I think that Jay Paul used to see not calling you old or anything like that, but you know, back, in the, back in the day, you know, uh, the accessibility, I just know from back in hunting in the nineties with my dad is that we were like the only ones out, you know, using big Magnum goose shells. And now it's the same permission we had. It's somebody's asking for money and, and it's a farmer and I get, you know, taxes go up. So why not make money if they can? Yeah, I agree with that completely. And, you know, that's the thing. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes, and I think a lot of it does have to do with accessibility and economics. Those are the two big reasons. Personally, I, I'm sure that the Delta article was spot on because, you know, I have been to areas, uh, particularly Minnesota has, just like Northern Illinois, had a major impact on the, num the number of hunters has greatly diminished 
um, in Minnesota, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, a lot of those northern tier states, we're just not seeing the number of license sales, you know, that we did in the past. And the other thing that I wanted to hit on, and you just hit on it too, was you talked about going out with your dad and putting out those huge old Magnum shells and being the only ones. You know, some of the equipment that we used uh, 30 years ago, you know, we would all laugh at today. Rocky's laughing right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you think about that rock? I mean, there's stuff that we would totally consider junk and would feel like the birds would never even dream of decoying to today that we found really effective, but times have changed. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I used black Clorox bottles painted on black and threw them out as decoys. <laughs> Milk jugs painted black. Yeah. Did it multiple you ever times. Seen that, Frost? Frost, have you ever seen that or are you too young? Man, I'm so young. <laughs> I think if you go to Real Foot Lake, you still see it. I was back in <laughs> early 2000, and I seen the, the black jugs out there. <laughs> hey, I was there two weeks ago, and there are guys. But now uh, at Real Foot, they've outlawed the use of jugs. Really? So, yep. You can't, you can't use jugs anymore because they just polluted up the lake too bad, guys. Uh -huh. when, you know, uh, I know when I was – my grandfather owned a boat dock on Real Foot Lake and hunted there even after he sold it when I was a kid. And my grandmother uh, used to save all of her Turner Dairy plastic milk jugs and uh, put them up in the up in the barn in the loft. And we would paint them all in the fall, you know, and put weights on them and put them out. You can't do that anymore. So now uh, there's a company making a black it looks like a boat bumper, but it's black molded plastic. It's made to be a decoy, so it's legal, and it's called a killer filler. Yeah, that's, and, that's Ryan Fisher. Yep, yep, and uh, they uh, do killer fillers, and also, um, I believe you can still do Freon bottles. They paint the Freon bottles black and use them. I just think if it's plastic, it's it's got to be a got to be a real decoy, but. Uh, you know, it's changed so much. And then, of course, the niche that you're in with the advent of the motion decoy, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Where do you think the market's going? And I know you're try constantly trying to keep an edge. What are you guys at Lucky Duck doing now? Um, so we'll be introducing some new products at SHOT, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about uh, one of the products. Obviously, I can't speak to that right now, but um, just, you know, it, you can rack your head over some of the ideas and, and you look at some of what your competitors are doing and they're doing great things too, but it's just, it's trying to come up with some new innovative ideas and, um, you know, working around things. I mean, you know, in Arkansas down there at all the, the, uh, the GMUs, you know, you can't use any type of motorized decoys. So, um, it's, it's made for some interesting discussions. Some appreciate them, you know, talk to Freddie King about it. and He says it's doesn't bother, you know, the hunting around there or, or anything like that it's the actual hunters and the pressure but you know it's just what we try to do is is what we've done ever since that we rebranded in 2013 and that's and that's really just try to come up with the most innovative products that we can that the hunters want you know going back to you know some of the the, the points that you guys are talking about you know the black jugs I'm, they're still effective today but the hunter strives for realism um and durability at a 
at a, at a good price. So what we try to do is just that. And then like with our lucky HD, you know, it really broke through the, the market and um, it did really well at Cabela's this year, the number one skew there. So people are obviously still wanting those motorized spinning wing decoys and, and stuff like that. But it, uh, um, again, it, it comes down to that realism thing. And, and uh, I think that like, I can agree with Rocky, we could probably get away with killing them over some jugs and stuff like that. But the overall market stances is that I want the most realistic stuff out there at the best price. What do you think, uh, since we've come from painted jugs to motion decoys, what do you think in 15, 20 years it's going to be? You know, it's hard to say. It all comes down to key to innovation right now. I see a lot of the markets going into on-the-water motion um, and that kind of stuff, uh, looking at that. But um, I think that there's still something out there that one of us is going to discover, and it's going to be as good or um, if not better than what the spinning wing decoy did back in the, you know, the early – 2000s late 90s when it when it first came out the robo duck or whatever it was and and um you know when ducks were just hypnotized by that and, and stuff when uh, you know it's 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 hard to say what direction it's going to go in but um you know there's more people getting into different blinds and bags of some sorts and and uh, you know it, it it's hard it's hard saying mr frost very hard saying yeah <laughs> If you it's, knew it's, if, uh, if you knew that you'd be a millionaire, wouldn't you, Ricky? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would be. Well, that's what I, I was hoping he was about to slip up and tell me, but he didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, if, I just wonder. Locked, I mean, it's locked way down in here. You ain't yeah, getting out. Yeah. So, uh, as much as I want to talk about the new products that we have coming out that I think are going to be exciting, you know, it's something that I can't even talk about until shot. Um, but I'm I'm super excited for for what we're doing and the direction that we're going in, and I think that uh, um, we made some ripples in the market for sure. Yeah, I I always just wonder like how, you know, obviously ducks are adapting and evolving. How far will that go? Like how to what extremes are we going to have to go to fool them? <laughs> I think everybody's willing to try something something new and um so could be even gimmicky. It could be whatever it is. I mean, it's it's if uh when it comes to that that flash when they light their wings up, there's there's no better, better way right now to imitate it than via spinning wing decoy, but I'm sure there's somebody out there working on something or thinking about something as to how more realistic can I make that look? Because mm -hmm. I tell you what, when they first came out, they came down from the ozones when they were just little dots in the air, they just sucked right down and that was fun. Mm. You know, Saturday we had out a couple of lucky ducks and we had a wind and we had a uh, sunny day and we actually started out um, because it's been cloudy the day before without, uh, having our, our lucky yep. duck spinner out there and when we put it out Saturday I mean there were still several green heads how, how many shots did you get frost from back there on the ice of a duck trying to land on top of that lucky duck spinner yeah I mean I was only back there 30 minutes and had I don't know seven or eight of them that were just sitting down right on top of it on camera yeah so I mean I think they still are are very uh very effective um, you got a couple products I'd like to ask you about too. Sure. Uh, what is the Lucky Air Force? That's a great question. So the Air Force is something that we just broke out this past year in 2017. Um, it's a pull string spinner, uh, but it's so it's kind of a two in one actually. It's a pull string spinner, but then it also has a clutch in it um, that you just simply un, um, engage the clutch for the pulling uh, 
pulling string action. Uh, it'll come with the flat wings that you normally see on like our lucky junior or lucky pair, just that corrugated wing. Um, or you, you disengage the clutch and it's on a ball bearing system and then it just free spins and it comes with our, uh, our air lucky wings. So it's an air operated decoy. So if you're getting that, you know, constant 10 mile an hour wind, it'll just sit there and spin on its own. If you need to actually force it, um, then you can pull on it. It's good for those states like uh, that, that don't allow motorized spinning wing decoys that can use a manu uh, manual pull string, whether I believe it's like Minnesota or, or like uh, Washington or something like that, where they allow for like a pull string decoy. Um, you know, California outlaws anything mechanical for like their first month or something like that, or first 30 days of the season. So it just gives other people, well, PA, you know, they just broke into a motorized um, game, but you know, back then they, they could have just used the pull string as well. So it, it gives people that, that don't have the advantage um, of running a motorized decoy, it gives them an option of having the pull string, but also the ability just to turn it into a wind operated as well. So that was kind of something I thought was, was pretty innovative on our part because there's nothing out there that did both. There was pull strings, but, and then there was air operated, but nothing that did both. Yeah, that is that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, second product I want to ask you about now in comparison. Uh, first, how effective is the Lucky Flapper, which uh, if you've never seen one, guys, uh, the flapper is basically a, a motorized decoy that its wings flap instead of spin. What do you think efficacy-wise comparing the two? Sunny, uh, over water, sunny days. Uh, it's a great decoy. Uh, you're not going to see it from, I mean, if you flew a plane, um, and uh, you're a thousand feet up, you're gonna see a spinner. Uh, you're not gonna see a flapping wing decoy that high. Uh, what we like to call it is more of a finishing decoy when they get in, they're set up, uh, they're working that spread a little bit. It's something that's of a different motion. Uh, the nice thing is, is that on that sunny day and you have those waters is that it does reflect off the water. So it gives that realistic uh, kind of shine, glare, whatever you wanna call it off that water that, that you would normally see from a regular duck. So we consider that more of a finishing decoy. The nice thing is too with that is it serves as a double purpose. You can purchase the super lucky wings and you can turn it into a spinning wing decoy as well. So it's it's pretty much a, a, a super lucky with um, our patented rapid flyer uh, mounting system that goes to the back. Well, does the flapper seem to, uh... You know, one of the things that I don't like at all about the spinning wing, particularly mm -hmm. on a sunny day, if you're in an area with a lot of geese, I mean, we hunt a lot of speckle bellies and the specs right. just seem to, to hate the spinning wings. Right. Haven't tried a, a flapper. What are your thoughts there? Or what have you seen? Yeah, you want, um, as far as birds, as far as spec, specs or, or honkers, I'm in the same boat as you, especially with honkers. You know, they just don't want to see that spinner on. You know, that's why we have the great, uh, the HD remote kit, so you can just shut them off. Um, but with the flapping wing motion, it's, it, again, it's a little bit more of a subtle movement. So it doesn't, it's not really going to throw them off so bad um, as, it, as the spinning wing does. So it's, uh, it's better. We actually do have a flapping wing speckle belly decoy. Um, guys down in, uh, Aaron Carter down in Mississippi uses it. There's guys all around the South that have been using the flapping wing. Uh, we used it out in Kansas and, and didn't have any issues with the, the specs flaring off of that. We have the Canada flapper. We've sold thousands of those. One of our top sellers that the hawkers don't seem to flare off that. So it's more of that spinning wing motion that's, that's getting into those bigger birds that they don't like. Mm -hmm. Last of all, um, you've come out in the last couple of years with a couple of splashing decoys. Mm -hmm. Which do you think is more important 
uh, splash, ripple on the water, or motion in the air like with the spinners or the flappers? Anytime that you're hunting, especially like let's say in the timber, right? You got a private hole in the timber or, you're, or, the, or a pond that's a very shallow water. If you actually were to take a drone up and you looked at working and feeding ducks in that hole, or as they land or as they're dabbling, whatever they're doing, you're actually going to see a different, there's going to be a, a, a change in color on the water, right? So I think all of them are, are important. My personal favorite is a dabbler. Um, because when I find ducks in a secluded hole or something like that, I usually don't like to go throw the whole kitchen sink at them. You're not going to see me throw three or four spinners at them. Maybe one splasher because the splasher has narrow, more narrow wings. So it doesn't create so much of a flash and usually get it tucked under a tree. I'm sure Rocky could speak more to more to that kind of stuff because he hunts down in the woods, but that water color changes. So it's good to, to mark that water up because from the from the top i mean we all know that that birds can see color and they see that going on down there they see the ripple effect but for me more so than anything versus the ripple effect it's that change in that water color the agitation of it all yeah yeah which is why a lot of us go out and make sure we wait all through the decoys if they've been out yep. you know overnight to make sure we muddy it up a little bit i agree with you yep yep I know, I know Rocky does that because he finds muddy water especially effective on shovelers. <laughs> <laughs> you Rocky, know, you like them Hollywoods, huh? Uh, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, Ricky, it, it, it's kind of funny that you say all that because years ago, before drones made their debut into this world, uh, one of the ways that I scouted for ducks is I was a pilot and I, I would fly my route uh, mm -hmm. over all of my holes. And I would tell the people what these ducks would look like from the air. And it's nothing like a regular decoy setup with no motion in it. Oh, they're moving. They're moving continually. And I just figured out why you like shooting Hollywood so much. Because with that big wide bill, you could spot them easily from the air. Uh. That's it. That's it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but, but the live the live birds, they have, just like you're talking about, Ricky, they have a, a trail coming out from behind them. And, and even mm -hmm. in, even in deeper water where it's uh, maybe a cypress break and you have that duckweed on top of it, they still put out up and it may be eight foot deep, but it'll still be a trail coming out behind a live duck. Yep. Yeah. It's, cra it's crazy what you can see from so high up and the drones have, have, you know, helped us study that, understand where we need more motion at, where we, we need less motion at, um, and, and just overall agitation and, 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 and how those, how those ducks really act in, in those environments. And it's, it's crazy what you see up there from colors. And it's, uh, I can also understand why some, some hunters choose to run, you know, 20 drakes and two hens. Well, cause the white pops from way up. Oh, no doubt. I mean, speaking of shovelers, and I'm being very serious. I'm not joking on this. I've always got some Drake shovelers in my spread. I've always got some Drake pintails in my spread because the white on them, you know, shows. And in the late season, if you take a look at a uh, mature, fully plumed Drake shoveler, man, you can spot him from a mile away. They just, they pop and they stand out. Same thing with canvasback decoys. Yep. You know, a lot of times, even in a, in a rice field or cornfield where we're not as likely as we are on bigger water to see a can, 
I'll put out some canvas back decoys because, you know, ducks can save them from a distance for sure. Now, one of the things that I was actually shocked to see, and, and Bill might kill me for this, but it, it, when we were out at Salt Lake and we were hunting with Glade and, and, uh, Glade Harris from Backwater Performance System. We were out there and Rocky and I have hunted with Glade. Yeah, and and you're out there and you're hunting. The, did you guys get to hunt teal? Yes. And so layout boats. Up, yes, yeah, the coffins. So he sets up these 400 black silhouettes. You know, and where I'm from, you're like, oh, that that's not that realistic, right? Nah, man, because at that far of a distance, those teal, you couldn't tell if they were teal or not. You know, and they they just sucked right into those black silhouettes. So it's all about contrast, and and I was simply amazed. I mean, we wiped out a four or five man limit of teal in fifteen minutes. I mean, it took three times as long to set decoys than it did to shoot the teal. Yeah, yeah, I know. And Rocky, you did miss out on this one. This would have been your dream. Um, uh, about four, maybe five years ago, Ricky, I went out there and hunted with Glade. And uh, we had a teal day where seven of us killed 49 teal. That's all that we shot. We were hunting them out of the Bonneville layout boats mm -hmm. um, on uh, one side of Antelope Island. And then the very next day, we went to the other side of Antelope Island to a mud flat where they took all of these um, black duck silhouettes. <laughs> and when I say black duck, I don't mean a black duck-like species. I mean a, a, a duck silhouette painted solid black that looked like daffy duck that looked like daffy duck and and but this is what's crazy we set those out with the little coffin blinds which were just basically little tubs yep and uh that particular day um i don't know what kind of invertebrate they were feeding on but the spoonbills had absolutely invaded <laughs> that mud flat and seven of us shot like 45 spoonies and four till that day it was unbelievable. And the way that they would decoy to those black silhouettes, and we didn't have a single real decoy out there. Yep. Was amazing. Yep. And it would have been it would have been Rocky's like dream hunt because there were tens of thousands of shovelers just bombarding us the entire time. I mean, you shoot one shoveler and you become the shoveler becomes your hero. <laughs> <laughs> hey if it was the first one to come in in the morning rocky are you gonna let that that shoveler go you're not because that's bad luck oh heck no man <laughs> I, I love shovelers I, I do i get picked on about it bad like the like the fat kid at school but you know what <laughs> 10 10 years from now the way that i'm looking at it that uh it's kind of like the fat kid at school that grows up to be the the meat-headed quarterback that's got all the women you know, 10 years from now, that's the only thing will be coming down the flyway, and I'm going to be the hero, the shoveler king. <laughs> we need to, Rocky, we need to start our shoveler line of clothing right now so that we have it hot and ready. Yeah, boot lip. Just call it boot lip clothing. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, and Rocky, it's no longer politically correct to say fat kid. Now it's gravity challenged. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right so ricky one last question before sure. we let you go here uh and this is for fun before we all give our parting shots and shut shut it down here in a second uh when you're out there hunting if i get into your blind bag looking for a snack what am i gonna find hostess cupcakes and sunflower <laughs> seeds 
Got to have your the salt and the sugar. That is what you're going to find. See, I could hunt with Ricky. I could hunt with Ricky. That's that's my top two. <laughs> yeah. my, my wife would my wife would kill me to know how many cupcakes I probably eat, and they have to be Hostess brand. I mean, I am brand loyal, and I, it's Hostess. <laughs> hey, hey, Ricky, do you do you yes, have? I, I'm I am a Hostess guy. That's the only kind I'll eat. Hey, do you have yep. a specific way that you eat your cupcake? Yes, I peel the top off first, and I eat that separately, and then I and then I divulge into the to the uh, to the actual cake. See, I go around and go right on the boundaries of the white pudding inside. And I save it for last and eat it last. That's a lot of work. <laughs> probably missed a few spoonbills flying by in your time. Yeah. <laughs> Frost, I, 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 I'm not even sure you eat cupcakes. But, as a matter of fact, I might even bet that you don't. Do you? Eat cupcakes? Yeah, hostess cupcake. Yeah, my heart's beating. <laughs> All right. So how do you eat your cupcake? I just down it. <laughs> I don't know about all this dainty, time-consuming, strategic eating. I just down it. And, and I bet all about you, appreciation. And I bet you eat the, <laughs> hey, I bet you eat the generic brand too, don't you? Yeah, I ain't picky like y'all, man. I don't know about this picky stuff. <laughs> no. I had, I'll tell you this. I had the CEO of... Uh, it's not sunflower, but it's it's not Mayflower. What is it called? It's a it's a brand out of Georgia. And they were selling his brand in the grocery store we were at, and he bought me some of those generic cupcakes. And he handed them yeah. to me. And I threw them out the window right in front of him. I said, I'm not eating this crap. Because <laughs> sometimes research and duplication is the easiest way. Why didn't he just do that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're close, but their hostess will always be number one. Yes, yes. Oh, no doubt, no yes. doubt. And and little Debbie, uh, Christmas tree cakes this time of year are pretty dang good, also. Yeah, very good. And you like to let them sit out maybe a little bit when it's colder out those yes. colder days. You hang you hang on to them for just a little bit so that they get a little bit harder. I mean, it's <laughs> that's that that is a, that is a five star meal. Oh, yeah, they get a little crispness to us. I'll tell you one of my favorite Hostess products, though, for the duck blind. And I do this uh, in, in my Camp Chef cooktop all the time when we're hunting. Um, I uh, like to take a Hostess cupcake and fry it in an iron skillet. You ever had a fried cupcake? That's some Southern stuff right there, man. You guys fry everything. <laughs> oh, dude, man. You, you, yeah, you, you make sure you got a stick of butter or two in the blind. You melt a little bit of butter in that iron skillet. And <laughs> then you throw that hostess uh, uh, honey bun in there, man. And you fry it good on one side, flip it over, fry it on the other. It is. Oh, that's a, a Southern fried delicacy right there. And they wonder why we gain weight during duck season. <laughs> <laughs> hey frying things isn't totally a southern deal a few years ago i was hunting uh over on the illinois side of st louis and uh, we went to a place uh by a ballpark that their specialty was a crispy cream burger wow mm. they took instead of a bun they took a crispy cream donut sliced it in half put the burger and the cheese and all the fixings in there. And then right before they served it, they dunk it in a deep fryer right quick to fry that Krispy Kreme up really good and crisp again. I think you're going to hear Rocky's truck start in a minute. 
Frost are heading north. <laughs> yeah, the bad is, part is when you're my go ahead, Frosty. Oh, uh, that's just nasty. That's just really <laughs> gross. Yeah. Bad part is when you're my age and you're eating one of those, you can feel your arteries starting to harden. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh it was pretty that was in Sauge, Illinois, there at the ballpark that uh I forget the name of the park, but it's the home of the uh semi pro Sauge Grizzlies. If you're ever wow. around there, guys, you gotta you gotta try it out. I'm not far away, so I'll have to think about that next time I pass through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've driven down 55. You've driven right by the stadium. I go there all the time. Like, if especially if I go down to Bass Pro for meetings or or uh, down to Midway or go down the Boot Hill. I mean, that's yeah. I'm trucking along that way. Yep. yep. Well, man, we've really enjoyed having you, Ricky. Appreciate your time. And uh, again, somebody looking to check out all the new products that you've got coming out. Mm -hmm. um, where do they want to go? I know luckyduck.com, correct? Yeah, they're going to go to want, want to go to luckyduck.com. I mean, uh, shot shows coming up here what the week of the 22nd, 23rd. Um, so stay tuned to our Facebook page. Uh, we'll we'll uh, be releasing new products every day. We got some new predator products coming out as well. Um, and again, the, the new waterfowl stuff. So um, just watch that. Uh, we'll be hitting some some promo stuff. And then of course, you know, the grind waterfowl TV kicks off in July again. I think we'll be on season seven. Uh, so we'll be doing uh, some of the newer products will be on there. We've been filming over them this year and some stuff I'm really excited about, really anxious to, to uh, get to our customers and have them use and hear, get their feedback as well. And, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be everywhere and we'll, we'll of course be at as many retailers as we possibly can to talk to our customers and, and answer any questions that we have or they have. Cool, man. Thanks again for, for being our guest today. Rocky Frost parting shots, guys. Now's the time to take them. I ain't got anything, man. I'm feeling nice today. Thank you, Ricky. I think you're hungover from that lunch that you were slurping down. Something, man. It's just like this weather. As much as I love winter, it's just dragging me down. Now, where are you at? Arkansas. Oh, geez. That's not even weather. That's summer. No, man. That's what I'm talking about. It's so hot out there. It's draining me. <laughs> Frost, what do you, what do you, do you have your recorder set at 0.75? Your voice is so slow today. You either been, your recorder is, you either have it set slow or you're putting something else in that pipe you're smoking. <laughs> telling you, man, this hot weather is just draining me. No, it, what it is, is I own my own business and I'm doing my taxes and buying a house at the same time. And it's just like, I feel like, I have no life left. Between That's the, the American dream, pal. They're, they're just, just terrible, man. They're both just terrible things. So, hey, well, I, look, I think you better get it done quick because I'm fixing to send you our calendar for the rest of the month. Good, and brother. You're not going to have a lot of time for it after this week. That's We're going to be running and gunning hard on them, man. But uh, <laughs> that doesn't hurt my feelings. I hear you. Hey, Rocky. Good luck on your travels, buddy. Uh, you know, I think you pretty much took your parting shot with the pipe there on, on Frosty. <laughs> anything else for us before we go? I don't know. I'm just sitting here thinking about eating that Hostess cupcake. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, eating around it, eating on top, eat the bottom, and then you save that last little round ball. And that's the thing that I'm going to leave you with. Hostess, if you're <laughs> listening to this podcast, what happened to the creamy field inside? Now it's just a little bitty half-inch ball inside of the cupcake. That thing used to cover the whole inside. You got a creamy field bite every time you bit into it. What happened, hostess? <laughs>
There you go, man. Well, guys, it's been great. I got to get out of here myself. I'm fixing to be heading down to Southern Arkansas where I'm going to hook up with Dave Reynolds from Excel Boats and uh, Glenn Foreman. And we're fixing to get after the ducks for the next couple of days down there in Southern Arkansas. Until then, man, really appreciate all of you taking the time today to listen to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X podcast powered by Mud Buddy Motors.